Welcome to Get You Fit Radio with your show host, Irene Cook, the radio show that keeps you healthy and helps you lead a healthy lifestyle. Well, let's suppose that you are feeling pretty healthy about yourself and and things start getting a little rough for you. And and perhaps you are a fan of the show and you listen to the show and I'm always talking about things to do to enhance your life. But what about if you or a friend is participating in a behavior or has found yourself caught up in something that isn't so healthy? Um, Well, I thought that today a really good show to talk about is addiction and and what to do long-term strategies for overcoming addictions. Um, Most people who engage in addictive behaviors um, and go on to develop actual addictions find that overcoming it is more challenging than they expected. Uh, Even though the difficulties people have with quitting drugs um, are well known, um, it, it it is impossible they find themselves to stop once they have started. Um, Nobody starts using drugs um, or alcohol or any abusive substance thinking that it's going to be something that's going to end up controlling their life and destroying their life. Um, It is is a myth um, when when people and users think that they can quit anytime they want um, or that they are the exception of the rule. This is even more true of non-abusive or behavioral addictions uh, involving activities uh, such as excess eating, gambling, shopping, exercise. So addiction is not just uh, isolating to substances, but today I do want to talk about the complicated situation um, of substance abuse and developing these addictions and signs of them and and what to do um, if you find yourself uh, on the path or if you know somebody that is exhibiting these behaviors. Um, By the time you recognize or they recognize that there's need for change, they may not want to. Um, it, It takes years and years and years of being faced with these negative consequences of an addiction before realizing that it's causing a significant problem. Um, sooner or later, people uh, who who have this addiction decide that they need to make changes, and they're the ones that need to make this change. And once this decision uh, has been made, most people have to make a specific goal in order for it to happen. Uh, but to quit some of these addictive behaviors or substances may not be as easy as just simply said. Uh, Usually and most likely it does require professional help. Um, Many heavy drinkers um, and social uh, drinkers uh, may just have to set the goal to not drink at all. Um, And that makes it difficult because now it is affecting not only um, the urge to drink, but also the person's social life and uh, who they, who their social networks and who they get along with. So um, as I, as I 
kind of go into talking about this, um, I really want to talk about the, the latest data. In 2018, the data shows uh, that every day, 128 people in the United States die of overdosing on an op opioid. Um, this misuse of an addiction to opioids, um, including prescription pain relievers, heroin, and synthetic opioids such, such as fentanyl, um, is a serious national crisis that affects public health as well as social and economic welfare. Uh, the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention estimates that the total economic burden of prescription opioid misuse alone in the United States is over $78 billion a year, including the costs of healthcare, lost in productivity, addiction treatment, and cr criminal justice uh, involvement. So how did this happen? Um, you know, years ago, we, we, of course, always heard about people having issues with alcoholism and drug use, but it is definitely a lot more pronounced now. It's, it's a lot more known now, and a lot of it is because it's a lot more talked about now, which is really good and is very important. But how did this happen? In the late 1990s, pharmaceutical companies reassured the medical community that patients would not be addicted to prescription opioid painkillers, um, and, and health care providers began to prescribe them um, at greater rates. So, you know, we've all had surgery. If you've had surgery, you know, years ago, you'd get a painkiller, and, and, and that would be that. Um, the overdose rates began to increase because um, the misuse of these medications um, became very clear that it indeed had had contained addictive qualities. And now um, we're faced with this epidemic. Um, in 2017, more than 47,000 Americans died as a result of opioid overdose, including, including these uh, prescription opioids, heroin. Um, and uh, illicitly manufactured fentanyl, um, which is a synthetic and man-made op opioid. Um, and in that same year, 1.7 million people in the United States suffered from substance abuse disorders um, related to these painkillers. And, and um, it, it then um, is a stepping stone onto the next very abusive disorder, um, and of those 1.7 million people in the United States that suffered from these disorders, um, close to a million of them then went on to suffer uh, from heroin use disorder. So um, it, it's astonishing that that many went from a uh, painkiller um, issue of overuse on to a heroin um, disorder. And I do need to note that those are not mutually exclusive, um, but there is a direct correlation between the number of people that suffered from the uh, prescription opioid uh, painkiller uh, addiction and went on to the heroin. So what do we know about opioid crisis? Well, roughly 21 to 29% of patients that prescribed opioids for chronic pain misuse uh, have misused them. So, so that, that goes to show you 
out of a room of 10 people that have been given a painkiller for surgery, three of them approximately have misused it. Um, and, and misuse does not mean abuse. I want you to, to know the difference. Misuse means um, maybe it's in your cupboard and you used it a month later because you had a migraine. Um, or maybe you did not take all of your painkillers from um, a dental procedure and later you gave some to your friend because she hurt her ankle. Um, though that is illegal um, and that is actually uh, misuse. Um, eight to 12% of them develop an opioid use disorder. So that's, that's pretty high. Um, out of 100 people, to think that eight to 12 out of the 100 would develop this disorder. Um, an estimated four to 6% that misuse prescription opioids transition to heroin. So I need to step back and talk about this a little bit because when you just see these numbers, it really does not sound uh, as concrete as this next statement. If you were in a room of 100 people um, and, and th 30 of them have used a painkiller for the wrong reason, um, three of those 30, three, Three people of those 30 would go on uh, to transition to heroin. Um, that's astonishing. Uh, it, it really is astonishing. About 80% of those people who use uh, heroin for the first time or have used heroin initially misused prescription opioids. So, so of the people that have ever used heroin, uh, there's been a lot of research done, 80% of them started by misusing a prescription opioid, prescription painkiller. Among 38 states with prescription opioid overdose data, death data, 17 states saw a decline between 2017 and 2018, um, and none experienced a significant Increase. So, so the issue has become a public health crisis. And certainly, if you have ever um, gone to the doctor recently since 2017 or 18 and have needed uh, prescription pain medication, it is certainly not the same protocol in getting uh, the medication. Um, doctors have to even jump through loops to prescribe it. Um, it's not easy to pick it up. And, and this is for our own protection because of the high amount of people that have misused it and because of, of the ep epidemic. Um, so what, what, what is our country doing about this? What is the United States Department of Health and, and Human Services doing about it? Well, there are improved access to treatment centers. Um, there's promoting use of overdose and, and re reusing drugs, improved standards, and, and, and cutting the edge research on pain and addiction um, strategies. But what can you do? What can you do if you, if you see yourself or if you see somebody that you know and love um, that might be uh, going down the road of feeling like they have an addiction. Now, I'm going to kind of switch gears here um, and, and veer away from the 
opioid uh, addiction. And, and, and parallel to that, because an addiction is indeed an addiction, um, and I'm going to now talk about alcohol addiction, um, because that is another one that is widely uh, known and spread in our country. And then at the end of our segment today, I'm going to kind of synthesize them together and uh, discuss um, what strategies you can do and what things you can do to um, seek help or or to prevent this from, from even happening. Um, alcohol is a legal and controlled substance that lowers anxiety and inhibitions. Um, it has a broad range of side effects from loss of coordination, slurred speech, and not everyone who drinks is an alcoholic, but anyone whose life is negatively affected by alcohol on a cons consistent basis is considered to have an alcohol use disorder. Um, so often people that drink daily um, don't realize that they are dependent on these beverages. Um, did you know that beer has become synonymous with many activities in the American culture? Of course you do, because drinking games on college campuses revolve around it. Happy hours are on-the-go activity for professionals, and, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a sporting event that did not have beer. The rise of craft beer has, has even made beer consumption fashionable, with microbreweries and home breweries pushing the limits on, on what new flavors and tastes can be introduced. One unfortunate side effect of craft beer is that they have a significantly higher amount of alcohol. Um, quite a bit, in fact, as high as 11 to 12 percent. Uh, regular beer uh, is about 5 percent. So you're, you're doubling the uh, alcohol percentage on that. And it's pretty parallel to about a glass of wine. So um, even people who drink at social activities um, or drink craft beer are susceptible to this alcohol disorder. And, and people that are social drinkers oftentimes label themselves as social drinkers, but the writing might be on the wall if you are somebody that might be actually in the targeted audience as having an alcohol addiction. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Get You Fit Radio with Irene Cook at WHRULP 101. One uh, Huntley Community Radio, and we are talking about opioid abuse, alcohol addiction, and what things you can do to help um, somebody or yourself if you feel that you're on the road to needing this substance in your life. Uh, those with severe alcohol use disorder may feel that they can't start their day without a swig of vodka, or without a glass of whiskey on the rocks, um, regardless of the type of liquor consumed. Alcohol of any kind uh, possesses a serious addiction potential. And so, so as you may, may hear here, um, there are a wide range of different levels of addictions. Um, you might be somebody that is a social drinker um, and having a couple glasses of wine or a couple beers certainly does not put you at risk of having an addiction. But 
if the problem and the drinking continues um, and it gets to the point where you absolutely must have it in your day, that is a sign that perhaps you are developing an addiction. Um, Statistics show that uh, drugs and alcohol start, these behaviors start as early as ninth grade. Um, Statistically, um, who who binge drinks the most? Uh, According to uh, latest research, the college age, post-college age, 25 to 34 year old uh, age group does participate in the most uh, binge drinking. Um, However, at that point, the behaviors of the addictions typically uh, present. Alcohol is a central nervous system depressant. It slows down the mental and bodily processes. With the first drink of alcohol, users may experience a decrease in feelings of anxiety or stress. It's commonly trouted as a social lubricant, meaning drinkers are more likely to feel confidence in a meeting um, or a lot more happier in meeting new people and less concerned about how they are perceived by others. Um, So when people start to drink, it is not that they like feeling intoxicated. In fact, uh, there was a huge study done by Alcoholics Anonymous where they um, interviewed uh, hundreds of thousands of recovering alcoholics and asked them, what part of drinking did you enjoy the most? And the part that they enjoyed the most was the onset of the drinking. So so the first few drinks where they felt relaxed, um, that that relaxation where the anxiety and stress decreases. Um, it's it's that social lubricant that I talked about earlier. Um, virtually no uh, none of these alcoholics uh, said that they liked, the feeling of loss of control. In fact, only 13% of of these alcoholics, recovered alcoholics, said that they enjoyed the feeling of lost control, slurred speech, uh, not being able to walk, uh, and and not remembering blackout stage. Um, Nobody enjoys that. It is that feeling of relaxation. So, So what people need to realize is that you can achieve that um, in other in other ways. Um, talk to a friend, uh, find exercise, meditate. It doesn't need to be a substance. Um, alcohol addiction, also known as alcoholism, is marked by a craving for alcohol. And it's the inability to stop drinking, even when it causes extreme and personal social harm. Uh, signs of an alcohol addiction include frequent drinking, more than in- intended, wanting to stop but not being able to, developing a tolerance to alcohol, feeling symptoms of withdrawal when stopping, and letting personal and professional responsibilities flounder in favor of drinking and spending extreme amount of time trying to get a drink and trying to get alcohol. So to put this into perspective, and and by now because of the the increase of of people that that have 
alcohol uh, addictions and opioid addictions. Um, you may know somebody um, that suffers from this. You may know, know somebody that has actually um, been hospitalized or or has lost their life over this horrifying epidemic. Um, to put it into perspective, um, I want you to, to, to imagine what it's like to have this unquenchable thirst. And, and this unquenchable thirst is, is this addiction. Now, when we're thirsty, we will do anything to get water. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this into a, a light for you to understand uh, what it feels like for someone who has a heroin addiction, opioid addiction, alcohol addiction. This is what it is like for them. Um, your thirst is parallel to their addiction. When you're thirsty and and you need water, uh, that unquenchable desire to get something to drink, uh, you might be shopping, you might be helping your kids with homework, you might be uh, in front of a board meeting, you might be teaching a class. But you're thirsty. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking about when you're done with this meeting or with this project, you are going to go get yourself some water. An addict feels that way all the time. They might be at work. They might be at uh, their child's play. Um, they might be at an important event. And in and, and the back of their mind is this unquenchable thirst to quest, fill their addiction with what they need to fill their addiction with. And until they go and get it, they're not going to stop. Um, just like thirst with us, um, it gets so bad that to the point where we would do anything to get water. Um, if, if we went two days without a sip of water... Uh, eventually, we would um, probably be destructive to get water um, because it's this unquenchable thirst. And this is exactly what happens to somebody with an addiction. Um, nobody wants to uh, become an addict. Nobody wants to start taking a prescription opioid for a surgery and then end up um, facing heroin and facing their death. Um, nobody wants to have this take control of their life. And anybody that's ever uh, experienced this or or known anybody that's that's been um, a victim of this knows that the desire to want to stop this is is unbearable. But the the desire to quench that thirst oftentimes is stronger than the desire um, to stop. And so it, it it overtakes and and it must be pretty powerful because of the people that you know and that I know um, that have lost their their jobs, their families, their dignity, um, money, homes, uh, lives. Um, it is this unquenchable thirst that that oftentimes won't go away unless you actually get professional help or 
uh, you prevent starting. So as you take those opioids and as you are prescribed medication um, by your doctors, just know there are other options for pain. Um, when you're done with your pain medication, uh, dispose of them. Your doctor will tell you how to dispose of them. Don't leave them laying around on your medicine cabinet shelves. Um, they're only going to end up in the wrong hands of somebody. And that 30% of misuse will turn into 8% of heroin use, will turn into 3% of extreme opioid overdose, and will have deadly consequences. So uh, be healthy, be smart, know the risks that are involved, and certainly have a drink. But if it's a drink that you can't live without, look up some sources, look up some resources and get yourself some health. All right, guys, hope this helped and hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.